0: mm
1: everyone welcome to another episode
0: of the words of heart podcast i am your host dion sanchez and joining me in this particular episode is charlene jones um did i announce that right i wasn't sure which um last name you went by considering our email exchange
1: (laughs) oh (laughs) my last name is jones you're referring to my son's name that's fine my last name is jones
0: (laughs) good to know um either way thank you for joining me Charlene. this is a real pleasure
1: dion thank you for this opportunity i certainly enjoyed listening to some of your podcasts with other guests and your light-hearted manner and your conversational approach so i look forward to the next short but lovely time together
0: awesome thank you so let's kick off that loveliness if you could tell my audience a bit about yourself your book and whatever pops into your head to kick things off, that would be great.
1: Absolutely. Well, my memoir, which has won some awards is called My Impossible Life and it's up for sale on Amazon. And the subtitle is Trauma, Travel and Transcendence. So when I was 16, I was running away from home for a whole lot of other reasons that get covered in the book. And I got into the car driven by two armed robbers and they held me hostage for three days. So, of course, coming out of that was PTSD. And I have no argument with the dark side. I enjoyed, to the extent I was capable of enjoying, I, I was okay in the dark side of life. You know, staying up all day, all night, sleeping all day, not working, just being generally not capable of functioning very well. And uh, I met a meditation teacher, a wonderful healer and a very contentious and difficult human being. His Western name was Leslie George Dawson and his Eastern name was Karmaten Singh Dorje Namjow Ribache. And that's a handful. So I used to call him Sir. Uh, So I traveled with him and I learned a tremendous amount about healing, both Eastern practices and Western. So for example, I was in a Tibetan temple in the north of India when I was 20 years old. Pure accident, pure fluke, pure universe taking care of this poor little ragamuffin over here who barely deserved it. Um, and so I can't claim any glory or any ability on my part. It was just a great generosity of life. I was initiated into the secret initiations of the Tibetan Buddhists at that time, in a temple by His Holiness the Sakipa in Dehradun, India. There were about 100 of us in that particular experience. And then about 30 of us went to New Zealand and did uh, intensive meditation retreat. So when I was 21, I did a three month total silent meditation retreat, which was really powerful and very helpful. Then I began traveling and for seven years, I both worked in Toronto and then traveled whenever I could with this teacher, uh, my teacher, my teacher. And um, I learned a lot. He taught a lot about Western methods as well as Eastern. So we learned body, Dearmoring and called bioenergetics. We learned about breath. We learned about communication. We learned about art therapy. This was all prior to 1971, 1972, prior to the explosions that we now have. But what I had come to understand is that uh, I had a, a sort of single focus, and that was first to heal myself and then to help others. And that became the outshoot of that experience, which I didn't remember, by the way, for 15 years. It, crept up on me suddenly. And there's two questions you might ask yourself, how did I escape because they had shotguns and had no intention of letting me go? How did I do that? And then the second one is, what did I do with the experience once I knew how bad it had been? Because that took a certain amount of energy for it to come through. It came through when I was in university raising my son and I have double master's degree, I've been a performance poet, I published books. And gradually, as time has gone on, I've realized that I live a life that is so gifted and so blessed in so many ways. And I'm so grateful for all the ways in which I've been given an extraordinary abundance. And my interest is continues to be, although my son's now married and I'm a grandmother and life has gone on, I continue to be deeply interested in healing. And so I've come to the very most favorite thing I have recently to talk about, which is called havening. So you haven't heard about Havening, have you Bea? I have not. All right, I'm going to turn all your listeners over to Havening.org. That's with with a capital H, Havening.org. This process was developed by a man named Dr. Ronald Rudin. He's an intern for, he, I think he's, I don't know if he's still working as an internist, but that was his practice. He had one of the largest medical clinics in New York City. He and his brother Stephen Rudin spent nearly 20 years discovering how our brains encode trauma, okay? So how it actually chemically and electronically encodes trauma. And there's a way in which it encodes trauma. The brain will just keep certain things on alert. They're just like, I'm gonna do this very, very simply. I love the science behind it, but for our short time together, I think I should go very, very simply. So the idea is that once you've had a trauma, that part of your brain stays on alert as though there's these little sentinels running up and down saying, look out, look out, look out. So the more trauma you've had, the less you're able to actually fully relax. And we know that about PTSD and traumatized individuals. One of their challenges is learning to feel safe enough to let go. This process in half an hour, hello, half an hour, half an hour, this process will release a trauma or a layer of trauma so that your sentinels are no longer on guard for that particular experience. What that means for what Dr. Rudin calls the landscape of your psyche is that you've now got one part of your landscape healed and that helps everything. The vibrational energy goes through, it's electronic, it goes through, your brain is healthier, you have more resilience, you can feel better in your life. I've had the most amazing responses from people. I have worked as a therapist for 25 years It took me 30 years, Dion, of hard work to get to where I knew that I was clear of those experiences that happened. I was raped, tied with chair, tortured. I don't talk about it too deeply because it it hurts other people. It doesn't bother me in the least. I'm happy to talk about it, but it took me 30 years. And for 25 of those years, when I was working with others, I kept thinking, how can I tell people, yeah, you can heal, but it takes a long time and a lot of effort. This package happens in half an hour, and it's easy, you don't go down and stay down. You go down into the memory for like 10 seconds. You give me a little figure between zero and 10 on what your subjective distress is. We're, we like to have things like seven, eight, nine, 10. Then we start doing these incredible little games. We play these things with our heads. We just keep the cognitive mind operative in a very fun way, very kind. Con- and Dr. Rudin himself will say that the, the protocol is actually trivial. It's, it's just playing. But what happens is instead of you then meditating on or cogitating or reflecting on the difficult memory, you called it up and something called depotentiation takes place, which is now you've called it up and you've been distracted. You've allowed yourself to let go. And as you've done that, as you've been distracted, the emotional link to that bad memory is gone. So you have the memory, but you don't have a whole emotional response to it at all. Right? Now, I'll give you an example. Um, I've been allowed to say this, that I had a, a young woman, middle-aged woman, who had had a very bad experience in Jamaica and had had uh, been threatened, her life had been threatened, while she was on the hotel, in the hotel, in the patio, in the enclosure right on the beach, and her life was threatened. We did 10 minutes of this. And she said, for the first time, I can think about that memory. It doesn't bother me. I'm not getting bad rushes in my stomach. She said, I've got the memory of the beach, but the person is gone. The person who was doing the threatening is gone. Just gone. The memory just goes, yeah, we don't need that part. I mean, you know what happens. You still know the the narrative. It's not like you're wiping out your memory. You just don't have any emotional connection to it. So people will report various things like, the memory is foggy, which is like, again, you don't need it to be crystal clear. You don't want it to be. Um, I can't, I have people say to me, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to think about that anymore. Back fast. Like, I don't have to, like, I'm, it's gone. So I'm now a certified Havening practitioner. And I tell you, Dion, for the first time, I feel like I can really offer people something. Another thing about Havening that is really radical, revolutionary, and works is that if you work with me for five or six or eight or 10 sessions, whatever it may be. I'm talking sessions. I'm not talking months. I'm not talking years. I'm talking sessions. You can then do self havening on your own. So you don't need me after a while. This is sort of, you know, I should hang on to the old fashioned way so I can get, you know, get you coming back all the time. But I'm really interested in people healing. And so getting you off and up and on your own and out of the way of and feeling strong, I, I, that's my, my greatest pleasure.
0: Awesome. And I truly admire you for using Havening, I hope I said that right, to help people um, heal from their pain. Um, Considering what your memoir is about, um, if you don't mind me asking, what inspired you to write about, um, to write your memoir, um, considering everything you went through and having to
1: revisit it and put it on paper? That's a really good question. Thank you, Dion. And I appreciate you pointing in that direction. I had always identified as a writer. I was writing poetry from when I was six years old. So part of my identity was as a writer. When I got back from those three days, the the only way I could really, and I was only talking about good things. I didn't remember any of the horror, but I knew that I had an unusually powerful story to tell and i have the papers that i attempted when i was 17 i attempted to type it all down with typewriters in those days i attempted to type the original story down and i i couldn't i didn't have access to the other memories and i knew that that i just knew that wasn't right somehow it wasn't right it didn't feel right so i have the original i tried for 50 years to write this story And I didn't do it all the time. There were decades when I didn't do it at all, but I had done one complete version in 1993, which completely didn't go anywhere. I wasn't able to get out in the world. And good reason for it was it wasn't the right book. Finally, when I had done enough healing, I was able to tell the story. And I was able to tell it from a point of view of, I think a darkness, but a balance within the darkness. And it ends on a very positive no because I had a vision of what happens to those of us who've had that kind of trauma and maybe other people as well that we are there's this great wave of humanity where for millennia we have just accepted child abuse and rape and torturing each other as as just well that's just the price of war it's only recently in the last 10 or 15 years that that's even come become a question in the UN you know, you're not supposed to rape women now when there's war, but they still do, people still, their men still do. So you have to realize how quickly we are trying to turn this huge, huge tidal wave of history where we all accepted it, including the women, you know, hush up, that's what happens to us all, just stop it, it's okay, keep moving. Not okay, we got ways to heal it now and those of us who are doing that, it's just like me, I'm just like this tiny drop on that huge tsunami, I'm just a tiny drop of offering to the world, this is what I can offer to try to help people. And I feel really humbled and really awed and really honored to be able to do that. Awesome. And I truly love your analogy of a tsunami,
0: which is a really powerful storm and has the potential to make do all types of effects to us. And um, in regards to storms and the chaos that can come from a storm, If you don't mind sharing um, your thoughts or perspective on the current storm (laughs) that our world is experiencing um, as the pandemic, um, do you find people relying on Haven or seeking any form of therapy during this season um,
1: considering what's going on? I, I think there is definitely, there's been a marked rise in people who are suffering from anxiety, children, for example, naturally. Um, a marked rise in uh, the numbers of people who are suffering, yes. Um, Excuse me, I think that it's like, though, it's like almost, almost like other things in life where, okay, we have a choice here for how to handle it. If we take this as not a great opportunity, but an opportunity to let go of some of the extraneous, Busy, 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 busy. drive, drive, drive. I've heard at least two people say therapists, right? And, and one of them very well known. Prior to the pandemic, they were in airplanes all the time. Well, that's not good for the human body. I'm sorry. I, we just don't have the kind of air travel that promotes health in your body. It's very rigorously difficult, right? I don't know if I said that correctly, but it's bad for you, <laughs> is my point of view. And I could be wrong. But the busyness of life has been brought to a halt. And both these people said it was great to not have to do that anymore for this period of time to just sit still. Now I feel very bad. I was separated from my family for the first year and a half. I was able to visit them in the fall. We we visited several times because we could do that. And now with Omicron, we're in a little different situation again. I think the thing to remember is history. Not enough people know our history, the history of the planet. In 1918, there was a pandemic. There was a flu called the Spanish flu that took out 50 million people. 50 million people died from Spanish flu. There was a flu in 1968 called the Hong Kong flu. And I remember that because I was like 16 years old. And I remember my father talking about it. And and we we didn't have worldwide communication. So it's called the Hong Kong flu and we just kept going. Three to four million people worldwide died of it. And I might not have exact stats, but I know that there are those are close. Both those figures are close. Pandemics have been with us since the onset of the bubonic plague in 1358. Some people say 1353, the readings I've done is 1358. In Europe, the fleas on the back of the rats from the ships that were coming and traveling and we didn't know it and bubonic plague. And bubonic plague kept coming. It kept coming cyclically every 100 years or so. Once the first wash had gone through Europe and knocked out so many people that in those days there was no penicillin, there were no hospitals that could put you on a ventilator. And in fact, with bubonic plague, because I've studied a little bit about plagues, I'm a very strange person and I I found it very interesting to study. Uh, You die in three days. You have to have medical intervention and, and antibiotics within three days or you die. That's bubonic plague. So when I first heard of COVID and how there was a very good chance that you wouldn't die from it, I thought, okay, this isn't bubonic plague. What is it that we're really worried about? We're really worried about hospitalizations. We're really worried about frontline workers, nurses, doctors, ambulance drivers, para, right? All the people who who have to be working to help other people all the time. We're worried about them burning out were well, worried that there's not enough ventilators. And yes, there was a point during the early, earlier part of the COVID when in Toronto, for example, we were concerned in Ontario because we had something like 800 people in the ICU units and we only have a thousand plus ICU units. And so it was considered very dangerous and very rigorous. And it meant that all of the staff had to then focus on ICU units, I, I used to teach nurses ICU units, the critical units, as well as do emergency, as well as do the regular rounds, as well as do whatever happens in triage and admitting and so forth. So the, the, the real problem is we don't have enough healthcare workers and we don't have enough, ho- enough hospitalizations to guarantee that everybody can get exactly what they need. And the very tragic news of course, is that the virus did affect people who are elderly, like really elderly, I'm elderly, I'm 70. So, you know, 85 or something, um, 80. We always push it, you know, humans. So it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not really old. I'm Other people are old. I'm not really old. <laughs> it's just, you know, you have to kind of play that a little bit in your brain. Helps. But, and the other thing is people who have uh, uh, pre-existing conditions. And so there's a great sympathy and a great empathy and compassion for the people who've been lost. And the numbers are huge. There's no question. Numbers are huge of the people who were lost in America and around the world. Tragic. It's part of how this planet works. Look at the history. If we don't have a history prior to 1353, it's probably because we just didn't keep the records. But my guess is there were pandemics prior to 1353. Because if you keep looking at it, you see that those cyclically we get pandemics. And the more we travel, the more we're gonna have a certain amount of that. The good news is we are learning how to combat and what are the antidotes that we need in order to keep the pandemics from wiping out more and more people. And one of the things that we have to look straight in the face is guard your health. Everybody, guard your health like the precious, precious jewel that it is. Because if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. It doesn't matter what kind of money or status or power or anything like that. But if you have your health, physical health, and you can be happy in the day that you have, the day that we have right now, work toward that feeling of well-being in the day that you have right now, Great, grateful for all the things that we have. Because the other thing is, you know, we are in the Western world. We're in the, we're in the top top economic strata of the planet. And there's a lot of people who didn't get the opportunities through the pandemic that we did. Like most people on the planet did not get boosters, still are not getting boosters, don't have hospitals properly to go to, don't have, I mean, we have to look at that honestly and say, what world do we wanna live in? How can we shift it? How can we change to learn? So two things, to learn from the history of this experience and to learn from where we want to go from here. How do we want to shape our world from here? And what can I do as an individual to help out?
0: Absolutely. And I, uh, yay, my internet's acting up. I hope you're still there with me, Charlene. Um, as, I'm I'm, good. as I was gonna say is I completely understand and agree with the, how important our health is and making it a top priority I don't know what that was. <laughs> Making it a top priority um earlier in the pandemic I made like a Facebook status um to those who may have been taking it lightly or think oh my body's immune to this or it's not going to affect me. Oh, I'm going to go to the club. It's not going to be a big deal, but it is a big deal. Um and the reason I made that Facebook status um, in regards to my own health because um, at the start of the pandemic in January twenty twenty, I actually got diagnosed with diabetes. So I'm
1: sorry to hear that, dear.
0: Um, yeah. thank you. And um, so as far as health and your body, um, I understand it fairly well. Yeah. <laughs> um, because before I had diagnosed, my body was on a downward spiral into non-existence or yeah. it's not existing, period. And um I can't emphasize how devastating and terrifying that sheer fact was. Um that just the fact that I could just be dust at any given moment. So and I before I got sick and everything, um I didn't take much note of my body. I didn't give it vegetables or lettuce. I gave it cheeseburgers and perhaps popcorn at 2 a.m. in the morning. I didn't, I just walked and drank water. I didn't really do anything for my body. And then poof, my body decided to work against me before I know it and I could have died, but I'm still here and my diagnosis is a blessing in itself. And I got to live out the rest of 2020 which was a really unlikely reality that I wasn't going to be able to live it out so when people take this lightly that like, oh my body is capable of anything you really don't know what your body is capable of I certainly didn't <laughs> and luckily I'm still here um, yeah I took what happened to me as a blessing and took more importance on what I put in my body in order to live and continue living and sharing your story and other people's story through my platform, which if I hadn't been diagnosed, obviously I wouldn't have been able to launch this podcast like I anticipated on doing. So people really do need to take this more seriously than they should. Yes. We have the vaccine and the booster shots. Um, and everyone's welcome to their own opinion and their prerogative. I'm not saying you don't have a right to do whatever you want with your body, but I would like people to be more open minded and absorb all the knowledge and the reality that we have the luxury of keep on li- uh, to keep on living and others don't. And I'm glad you shared that cuz people don't understand that people don't have access to this and i forget that sometimes so i'm yeah. glad you shared that we do need to put our health first and foremost and to take into account that other people don't have access and my heart goes out to everyone who's been affected by this pandemic truly
1: absolutely my heart also and you know it is it isn't about you not having your rights it's about you understanding the laws of how the body works right so if you're going to give your body nothing but carbohydrates and sugar, white sugar, the law is you're going to die soon. You're going to die sooner. If you're going to be like, um, I know people who have been musicians lifelong, very hard life, but they exacerbate it by, they make it worse by partying all night, drinking too much alcohol, running around and not resting enough. You know, there's just certain things that you can't do unless you want to great re- the circums- reap the rewards of that. You know, it's it's not about your your right as an individual. It's your right as an individual. If you want to run your body down, go ahead. I mean, nobody's going to stop you. But it's common sense. It says, you know what, uh, you know, do be reasonable. Eighty percent of the time, and then twenty percent of the time, go and, you know, have a good carbohydrate meal and you drink it. Drink what you want and whatever. It doesn't have to be hundred percent strict and so forth. But eighty percent of the time, your body needs vegetables. Your body needs proper carbohydrates, your body needs a good diet, your body needs rest and proper hydration, and your mind needs to have a set, a foreset that of gratitude for what you, the opportunities you've been given. So rather than becoming sort of all knotted up as a fist trying to defend a right that isn't really a right, it's not about what is in the constitution. This is about what the body will actually do or not do. And we have enough statistics now to know and I'm just grateful to you that you turned this around, you create, created out of the difficulty and out of the obstacle that was handed to you. And we all have obstacles and challenges. Now, my story is by far the same as is so, so familiar to so many people, unfortunately. But the good news is you take whatever the obstacle is and you turn it to being something that you can grow from. And that's how you get through in life. I think that's a, from an old person to a younger person, Dion. Yeah. <laughs> no, it applies to all ages. Absolutely. I think so. Uh,
0: so on to my favorite part, which you already know. I can't believe you did your research, which I find really cool, um, is the icebreaker. <laughs> <segment>. <laughs> so I think you already know what I'm going to say. I'm going to start with the icebreaker question um hopefully you didn't think I don't know I just find it hysterical that you actually listened to it but I also find it really sweet (laughs) because now this game isn't as much of a surprise to you um so the icebreaker question is if you had to come up with a title or chapter for where your life is at right now what would it be
1: transcendent blessing
0: transcendent blessing yep do you
1: mind sharing a little bit as to what made you think of that particular title? I live on a small lake. I have my own podcast. It's on Soul Sciences, www.soulsciences.net. Um, I have three beautiful, healthy grandchildren who are being raised in a way that I adore. They are being given proper proper boundaries, and yet they're loved and loved and loved. My son and my daughter-in-law are healthy and I love them to the ends of the moon and back and they welcome me into their home two, three, four times a year. I have a partner. Um, I have opportunities that I'm still taking advantage of. I have my health. I do yoga regularly. I meditate. I've been meditating all my life and I'm able to help other people sometimes. Sometimes I, I actually can see that whatever efforts I've made are helping someone else come through some of the darker parts of life. So I just feel like my life is this mix of of a transcendent blessing and that I want to share. That's how I feel about it. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And that's just such a beautiful title, transcendent blessing, because you from talking, you just have such a severant heart and I truly admire you for everything that you do.
1: Thank you so much, Dion. That's very sweet. Now you're gonna make me sing,
0: aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm still gonna okay, make yeah. you research. I'm not gonna make you
0: sing quite yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, this will be the part where I share my title, which you kind of already know, but I'm still gonna say it, is to be my title or chapter for my life at this precise moment would be a warrior for change. I've undergone yeah. a lot in my life, not just with becoming diabetic in the pandemic, which Again, my heart goes out to anyone who was diagnosed with anything during this pandemic, having to be diagnosed is brings its own onset of fears. But when you add a virus, which had no solution at the time, just is an old new can of worms. And my heart right. goes out to everyone who's been diagnosed or again, truly been affected by the pandemic in some way. But um, back to my question, um, a Warrior for Change really symbolizes who I am and where I am. I undergone a lot, as I just mentioned, and that's not just with diabetes. That's from day one to now. I've undergone a myriad of health-related issues and problems from the jump. So it just really symbolizes and reflects who I am and what I face and overcome and what I'll continue to face from now to this point forward.
1: So. And I love that you're sharing this so beautifully on your podcast, Dion. It's just so generous of your heart to take your struggles and your suffering and turn it into something that's that's composite. It's it's a compost for the rest of the world. And to call yourself a warrior for change, I love that. I love that. You really are a warrior. It's wonderful. Thank you. So, on to the part that you
0: already know is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because you already know. So on to the icebreaker game. I might have to change one of the words because you already know what the words are. Um, yeah. either way, the icebreaker game is called song association. You don't have to be an avid singer, you could be a shower singer or yodeler or whistler. Although I don't understand how you can yodel or whistle any of these words. If you are listening and you know how to whistle or yodel these songs, let me know, and I will have you on my podcast because that would be really, really cool. Anyhow, how the game works, which I already know already, is I give you a word and you can either sing it, rap it, yodel it. Um, it can either be in the song title or in the lyrics. It has to be an actual song if you're like my last guest who decided to change up the game by singing actual songs and then changing the lyrics to pertain (laughs) the word then that's not gonna work although shout out to hollywood capone who changed up my game last time that was still cool either way but again it has to be an actual song and so yes oh And it can't be the name of an artist. There are words that have artists' name like Faith Hill or Popcorn Trumble or whatever. It has to be an actual song, no artist-related word names. So of course you already know how many seconds you have. You have 15 seconds from the time I give you the word to sing it, rap it, yodel it, from either in the title or in the lyrics. I am, however, since you did your research already, I'm going to change the last word, which I just thought of it. And it is a song and it is the holiday season. So it shouldn't be that hard to figure out a song for it. So I'm gonna give you the first word and that is heart. You gotta
1: have heart. Miles and miles and miles of hard. Oh, it's fun to be a genius of course, but play that old horse before the card. I just went off key, but that's a song from the 1950s or 40s, so I've always liked that song.
0: Wow, you did that beautifully. And you were worried about
1: singing. You did great. So the next word Fully transparent. I love to sing. I sing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the
0: joys of this game.
1: So Got it.
0: Next word is
1: words. Smile, an everlasting smile. A smile can bring you near to me. Don't ever see you cry. Cause that would bring a tear to me. These words have lost their glory. Let's find a brand new story now, my love. Right now, there'll be no something, something. And I can show you how, my love, talk and everlasting words. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that was
0: beautiful it was yeah. the time went off
1: but it was still lovely. yeah i went off i went on my own little tune there for a while
0: <laughs> it was still lovely so the last word which i just changed because you did your research and i'm sure it's gonna stump you but not stump you too hard so the last word is is silent.
1: Silent night, holy night, all is calm. better stop me because I'll keep going (laughs) I was hoping you would
0: do that song and also it's my favorite Christmas song ever that's so sweet plus considering you mentioned silent meditation it was the perfect word perfect to stump you a little bit because the last word you already knew (laughs) so ah well we can keep singing all day long because that is an absolute favorite of mine of course but unfortunately we're at the end of this winding singing road um if you have any links or social media is
1: your book going to turn into a movie at some point on the moon oh, yeah i'd love i'd love for people someone to pick it up and make a movie that'd be a great movie but um in the meantime you can go to amazon and get my impossible life the award-winning book Charlene Jones and you could also get Medicine Buddha Medicine Mind which is also up on Amazon I have a, a blog page uh, mostly it's from my website www.soulsciences s-o-u-l-s-c-i-e-n-c-e-s dot net it's dot net and uh, there you can find my podcasts, and I'm putting up information about Havening and listen to anybody. If you really, really want to just feel better in a minute, just start singing. Doesn't matter how good you <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how good you are not good. Just start singing. We know from neuroscience that that changes your brain and it makes you feel a whole lot better about everything. So it was one of the secrets that I use for healing. So now everybody can use it.
0: Go ahead and sing your little heart out. Thank you so much, Charlene, for this wonderful conversation. Truly, it was an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you, Dion, for all this that you're doing for everyone else, and best to you in the coming year, dear. Absolutely. Take very good
0: care. Thank you. Thank you to all my listeners. This is the end of this latest episode of the Words of Fire podcast. If you enjoyed it, if it resonated with your singing heart, Here's the ways to listen to it on the following platforms. You can find us on Facebook at the Words of Art Podcast. We're also on YouTube under the same name and wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Google. Again, don't hesitate to let me know how this episode resonated with you or any episode for that matter. Subscribe, retweet leave a re- rating or review if you are listening to it from the moon please let me know because i would still find that to be really really cool intergalactic broadcasting but until then here's all of us from planet earth here again thank you for joining me Charlene jones again i am your host stay healthy stay safe and until next time bye